0: your
1: host. Hello, I am Cindy Gross, host of Cindy's Political Corner. I want to thank you for joining us Saturday nights on 620 AM, 1640 AM, 93.5 FM in the tri-state area. And when you download us internationally through iHeartRadio, Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Out of Israel through Jewish Podcasts, the TalkLine Radio Network, and through my own website, Cindy's Corners. We have a huge show tonight, so sit back and welcome into my corner. This week, our focus is on headlines in the news. It seems that every day there are so many headlines that we can't get to the middle of a newspaper because... The headlines are just so strong and so targeted towards fear and anger and frustration in so many of us. One of our guests is a congressional candidate out of California, a Jewish woman who is one of the leaders in helping Afghans leave the country through secret missions since the summer debacle of the Biden administration. Not an easy task, and if she could take that on, she could take on the craziness going on in California. You're also going to welcome back to our show, Grant Stinchfield of Newsmax and a syndicated radio host. He made headlines this week when he called for the disbandment of the FBI after their terrible initial reaction uh, that calling the terrorist attack in Texas, his own home state, not targeted to Jews and not an anti-Semitic act. He received a lot of attention for that and there was a lot of debate and we're going to discuss it further. And finally, something very personal to my heart. We're going to talk about the upcoming International Holocaust Remembrance Day coming up this Thursday on January 27th. Now, I didn't know much about Holocaust survivors or about the Holocaust, because I was fortunate enough. I had grandparents all born here, all college educated. But now I am the daughter of a mother-in-law who is still living and has a remarkable story that she rarely tells about how she survived the camps at Oxford. It was by accident that a train she was on was bombed and that she was able to escape and run into a forest that she is here today. Unfortunately, too many are no longer with us. And as anti-Semitism rises and we see acts like happened last week, we must, it is incumbent upon all of us, Jew and non-Jew, to remember the Holocaust accurately. Because if we don't, and we suddenly make fact into opinion, it will happen again, and it won't be just to Jews. So joining us tonight is one of the brightest, most outspoken leaders of young, Yad Vashem Young Leadership, Rechi Shnei. Rechi is also known as a celebrated Jewish activist and jewelry designer and is making headlines with her Mazel collection, making people around the world proud to be Jewish and wear their Jewishness on their bodies in gorgeous accessories. So stay tuned. We have a huge show coming up.
0: Uh, can you hear the fan that I is
1: welcome back to this very special episode of Cindy's political corner headlines in the news. Our first guest is a congressional candidate out of California and why I want to introduce you to her is because I have been one of the loudest voices that keeps saying there are no more moderate Democrats, especially the Jewish Democrats, sitting in Congress for years. They vote down the line with every progressive legislation that the Biden administration has produced, including many that are not helpful to American Jews. Jews are joining the Republican Party in record numbers even more than in 2020. Joining us now is one of those Jews, Melissa Tuman. She is running in California's 32nd district. She's running against Brad Sherman, once an outspoken activist who actually acted on words supporting Israel. But his votes during the last few years have not been so pro Israel. And he has been one who has never called out the squad. Legislation discipline—the way they call out Republicans. So, Melissa, thank you join, for joining Cindy's Political Corner.
0: Thank you, Cindy. I'm really honored to be here, and 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 I'm excited to meet your audience and and get my message out because you're absolutely right. We don't have any moderate Democrats left in Congress, and and the Jewish members of Congress. Who are all reformed Jews like myself. I am like seventh generation reform. My family joined the reform movement in Germany long before they moved to, to the United States in the 1850s. But, but the current Democrats in Congress are standing shoulder to shoulder with the Muslim Brotherhood representatives who are, who want to kill us all. It's just that simple.
1: You're absolutely right. And you just brought up another great point that I always uh tell people. There is this idea around the world that religious Jews are all Republican and non-religious Jews are all Democrat. You are a seventh generation reformed Jew. You are not an observant uh, Sabbath observer. You don't have, you know, family doesn't wear yarmulkes everywhere. But you are a proud Zionist and a proud Jew. And many more Reformed and conservative Jews that are proud of their Jewish identity are joining our party. Tell us a little bit. Your, your name, Tumen, first of all, has a great uh, Hebrew background, its meaning and its background in Jewish history. Tell us a little bit about the name Tumen.
0: So Tumim is usually um, heard as part of a phrase, urim batumim, light and truth. And the Tumim, the, so in, in, the, in ancient times, in the temple of, of King Solomon, the original great temple for, the, uh, for Israel, actually, I think it was Judah, uh, it, where the temple is. Um, the pre- high priest in the Holy of Holies wore these breastplates. And the breastplates had pockets in them for these tokens, the Urim and the Tumim. The Urim, light. When they would cast the Ori, that meant a guilty verdict. When they would cast the Tumim, it meant a not guilty verb, verdict. So Tumim means integrity. It means truth. It means innocence or not guilty,
1: as so, we say. we couldn't ask for a, a better candidate with the lame Tumim because your project is something that is in the news making headlines because – Usually a presidency's credibility and strength is in foreign policy. President Biden has the lowest numbers of trust among Americans in his foreign policy, leading with his failure in Afghanistan. You are one of the most outspoken, not only voices, but activists actually doing something to help those stuck in Afghanistan. Please share with our audience the importance, Work that you are doing.
0: I am actively trying to evacuate. I counted yesterday. I think it's 80 Afghans, um, though I think 10 of, ten of them are in Tajikistan um, already. But yeah, I've got all of these Afghan families that I'm trying to evacuate, and uh, uh, who are extremely vulnerable. One of the families is Jewish. You know, we heard in the news that. There, that the last Jew in Afghanistan had been evacuated. Um, but it's just not true. He was just the most well-known Jew in Afghanistan because he lived at the synagogue in Kabul. But there is a whole community of Jews in another city. I won't even say what city that is.
1: Right. Please don't uh, breach their security.
0: Yes, I don't want to breach their security. They are living as what we know as Muranos. We don't have a. they don't have that word. But we have that word because it came down to handed down to us from uh, from Spanish and Portuguese Jews during the Inquisition. They were living as secret Jews, but publicly, their neighbors didn't know they were still Jewish. And that's what Jews in Afghanistan are, are struggling through. So I'm trying to get one family of Jewish Afghans out. Um, I'm trying to get uh, families of uh Afghans who worked with the US military I'm trying to get Afghans out who worked at high levels with the Afghan uh, government and, and military and um a, a family law attorney who is specifically being threatened uh and uh women's rights activist so uh and a young gay teenager so the Taliban just wants to kill them all and Islamic State is working hand-in-hand hand with them. So we got to get these people out.
1: So in California, you just had a recall. And, of course, as much as people are trying to get rid of Gavin Newsom, they couldn't. And, you know, it's like the bookends. California and New York, and it seems to be the rest of the country, is going red. Tell us what you see going on now in your campaign that is going to make a red wave in California?
0: Well, in, in my district, um, and well, really all over LA County and lots of communities in LA County, um, particularly the most valuable real estate, like Santa Monica, Beverly Hills, West Hollywood, and places in the Valley and, and, and Malibu, there were riots here in 2020. And the lockdowns here are far more severe than they are in less valuable real estate locations. You know, so uh, you won't find severe lockdowns in Arizona. You won't find severe lockdowns in Utah, but in Los Angeles and San Francisco and in, in Portland and Seattle and Chicago and New York and in London, <coughs> London and Paris. Right. So every place in the world. That's the most valuable real estate. That's where the most severe lockdowns are happening. And people can't live here. They can't, they can't earn a living. Their businesses are being shut down. Uh, and when they're allowed to reopen, these, these mandates are making it so that half the pop, 40% of the population that's not vaccinated can't even patronize your business if you go along with the mandates because they want to shut down small businesses. They want to kill the economies here so they can just scoop up the real estate.
1: So you're talking about the Hollywood area, which is so liberal and so many Jews. How do you plan to win them over?
0: Well, you know, the Jewish community is very, this is the business community. And it's also the entertainment community in in the San Fernando Valley and on the coast, which is, which is where my district is that I'm running. <clears throat> and the entertainment community, the entertainment industry, we are, we are hemorrhaging entertainment business in Los Angeles. It, people are fleeing. Just like people, I said, the small businesses are shutting down and people are fleeing to Texas, to Nashville, to, to Atlanta. Um, people, the entertainment industry is fleeing to Atlanta and Nashville and Dallas because they can't operate here. Because the vaccine mandates, because the lockdown mandates, because the high taxation, because uh, the 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 woke culture that won't accept anything that colors outside of the lines of what they consider acceptable speech. Our industry is dying and we have to I want to rely on the First Amendment to revive the entertainment industry because. We need to have freedom of thought and freedom of speech in order to have a creative, competitive entertainment industry.
1: When you get elected, what will be your top three priorities?
0: reviving the entertainment industry <clears throat> um, making it so that mandate vaccine mandates cannot happen, so they can't they can't try to impose these on us again in the future by adding amendments to the Civil Rights Act, the, and then amending the Equal Employment Opportunity Act, the Fair Housing Act, the act establishing the Department of Education, making it so that vaccine status is a protected class rather than an excuse for for uh, for discrimination. That's high on my list. I'm working closely with Robert F. Kennedy's group, Children's Health Defense, to make that happen.
1: So you're open to working bipartisan. You're working on issues and common sense versus R versus D, which I think is the way Republicans Absolutely. are going to win in 2022.
0: I, I agree. I agree. I believe that we are in a an, we are in an era beyond labels. That it that R versus D is not really the issue anymore. It's it's humanity. It's protecting our communities. And allowing people to have differences of opinion. Because, you know, as Jews, argument is a key part of our culture. That's right. And we argue We argue not because we dislike each other, but we argue to find the truth.
1: Correct. Because it's a great way to say it. You know, I always tell people when we do shittucks, matchmaking, that God does not want you exactly like the mate. He wants you with the mate that you can grow from and learn with so that you appreciate each other. And you just said that so beautifully. Uh, One of our listeners wants to know a little bit about your background, how you became a congressional candidate. What did you do before this?
0: Well, before this, um, so I was doing investigative reporting on Afghanistan for many years and uncovered uh, corruption that was driving our policy with regard to Afghanistan. Uh, It turns out that Charlie Wilson and James A. Baker, a Democrat and a Republican, were both uh, invested in Pakistani, a Pakistani oil field. Um, and from there I went, I went and got a master's degree in nonproliferation and terrorism. I did my master's thesis on the propaganda tactics of the Muslim Brotherhood because um, how propaganda is used to manipulate the public meshed with my entertainment background as a writer and an actress. So I understood how they were using phrases to manipulate people emotionally. Uh, and so from there, I wanted, I, I uncovered how the congressman that represents Santa Monica, Ted Lieu, was involved with the Muslim Brotherhood. He was doing stuff to support them all the time. And I couldn't have that man representing me. So I volunteered year before last for the man who was running against him. And then last year I decided, okay, I'm going to run myself. I have to just step up. I can't wait for other people to do this.
1: Well, we thank you so much. Let me ask you a question. How can our audience reach out to you, donate to your campaign? Obviously, you are new to politics. You're in a hard district, not an impossible district. And if everybody who believes in the common sense issues that you're running on wants to help you out, sending even $10, $18 high, tell us, where can they write to you? Where can they send
0: they, it? They can go to 2 and that's tumim, the number 4 congresscom and donate at my website. And they will see my positions on the entertainment industry that I just described. <clears throat> They'll see my position on immigration. I believe in managed immigration. Uh, you know, immigrants, look, we are, unless we're Native Americans, we're all the children of immigrants. But even, you know, there, every, the doors weren't wide open at the end of the 19th century. People no. had to go through Ellis Island. They had to qualify. And that's what it's about. It's just about making sure that people who want to come here are going to be loyal American citizens. They're going to love the Constitution like I do. I couldn't agree um, with you
1: more. Couldn't agree with you more there.
0: So, yeah, so com T-O-O-M-I-M. I have t-
1: two quick questions that are simple answers. Uh, this week, it's been coming out all over the news about all the money that uh, Nancy Pelosi, your fellow Californian, uh, has been making with insider trading and with her family and what's allowed in Congress. And now people yeah. are introducing Uh, bills about this, what is your feeling on that? And what is your feeling on term limits?
0: Well, I, I never really approved of term limits because I think that elections actually are, you know, that that's supposed to be the limit, right? And if someone is doing a good job, I think they should be allowed to continue doing a good job as long as the public approves of them. The problem we have is that the, um, there's so much money backing these incumbents that it's no longer about what the public thinks that the public's will the the will of the American people is being thwarted and people like Nancy Pelosi and Dianne Feinstein and and Brad Sherman and Ted Lieu, these people have huge money behind them I mean my opponent has eight million dollars in the bank and that's just what's showing on his FEC reports. FEC
1: Not to mention what they're all making in their inside trading and and inside dealings and knowing what's going on.
0: Yeah, well, it used to be, um, I remember a story from Richard J. Daly when he was uh, a new, like, I think he was just a member of the city council in Chicago. And uh, I think it was his predecessor, Thompson. Uh, Mayor Thompson said to him, don't take the money, give them your business card. So they find ways around the old fashioned. You don't take an envelope full of cash anymore. You give them your business card. So you're a member of a law firm and they send the money to the law firm. And as a member of the law firm, you're getting millions in fees. It's just they have all kinds of ways around it. And uh, Nancy Pelosi is making millions off of China and off a visa card and uh, we just we need people in congress and in the state legislatures and in the city councils you know that are honest that are there just to work for the people
1: that's a great way to end this uh segment melissa tooman please keep the fight we're with you all the way and we are going to have you back again on cindy's political corner thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you, everybody.
2: Selling a home can be expensive and stressful. Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as two percent commission and get you top dollar, stress-free and fast. Just ask Joseph M from Brooklyn. Remax IQ made it easy. No for sale sign, i had offers in days. I saved ten thousand dollars in commission and I was in contract fast. If you're thinking of selling. Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. To learn more, call 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. We're not a discount broker. We're Remax IQ. Speak with a top agent today. 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. Or visit RemaxIQ.com. and www.remaxiq.com/disclaimer.
1: Welcome back to Cindy's Political Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross, and joining us is a friend to the, to the show. He's been here before. He made headlines this week. He actually called upon the need to question, should the FBI be disbanded, especially after what happened in his own home state of Texas? And a pro-Israel Zionist, he is very upset with the initial reaction that the FBI uh, made and said about this not being an anti-Semitic attack. Grant Stitchfield, host of Newsmax's Stitchfield and syndicated radio host, you are always welcome here and thanks for joining us.
3: Oh uh, Well, Cindy, it's great to be with you. Um, look, I went beyond just asking the question. I think the FBI needs to be disbanded and it needs to be rebuilt. Uh, under another name, under new leadership, because right now the FBI is not focused on protecting American citizens. It's focused on waging political warfare on what the Democrats consider as enemies, which is people like you, parents out there that are upset with the way the country's going, and certainly Republicans uh, in Washington and, and beyond. And so they dropped the ball on this issue with this with this terrorist who went into this synagogue in Colleyville, And uh, I'm steaming mad over it. They're too focused on January 6th and prosecuting grandmas and grandpas who went for an unorganized tour through the Capitol than they are worried about catching terrorists.
1: Well, as a Jew, I I am not surprised at the rise of anti-Semitism like this, because let's face it, so many Jewish people, including the rabbi and many of the congregants in that very temple, support Black Lives Matter support inclusion of everybody before securing themselves and of course did not vote for president donald trump in 2020 even though donald trump was the best president for israel and for american jews maybe ever in the history of our country
3: yeah there's no doubt about that um look in the end victims are victims now victims can do things to prevent themselves from becoming a victim. Um, and certainly law enforcement has an obligation to try to do what it can to prevent someone from becoming a victim. So anytime you have any kind of criminal activity, tragedy, terrorist activity, usually it's a series of events that lead up to what ultimately happens. And in this case, it was taking the hostages of these people in the synagogue. But where was Department of Homeland Security? They should have known about this guy. MI5 in in, in England knew that this guy had a long history of violence. His, his brother said he had a history of mental illness. How was he not stopped coming over here? How did he get a firearm? And then you go to, why did they just let him in? Now, I know that pastors, rabbis, someone knocks on your door, just about every one of them that I know, you let in. But still, you've got to be ready for anything. You let somebody in, you've got to be prepared that that guy could be an evildoer because evil exists in the world as they learned at that synagogue. So a lot of failures here that led up to this. Um, but clearly I think the FBI really, really dropped the ball. And then to claim that they don't know what the motive is, at the same time, this this terrorist is demanding the release of a woman that goes by the name of Lady Al Qaeda. She's serving eighty-six years for uh trying to organize the shooting of, of military officers in Afghanistan.
1: Worse, the FBI is trying to take credit that they actually rescued the hostages when, if you listen to any of the rabbi's interviews, what actually happened is it was a fluke. They were, he was able to, like I think, throw a chair at a door or something, and they escaped that way. So it had nothing to do with uh, the competency of the FBI. But then again, look at the rest of our law enforcement. Look at our attorney general. January 6th is more important. Right. Than this, I mean, we still don't have any answers as to who killed Ashley Babbitt. Well, we do, but why is he allowed to be walking the streets and getting medals when so many um, questions are still unanswered about what went on?
3: Look, it took months to learn the identity of that officer who, who shot and killed an unarmed woman in the Capitol. Um, just over over uh, the weekend, we heard about this twenty four year old girl in Los Angeles, California murdered in a high-end furniture store by a deranged lunatic who was out on bond for a thousand dollars uh for some misdemeanor case in los angeles in south carolina he was out on bond for shooting at a vehicle they let him go for shooting at a vehicle now you consider you got january 6 protesters that are in prison for over a year now some in solitary confinement and uh they're locked up talk about democrat hypocrisy if this violent criminal in Los Angeles was locked up as he should have been, that young woman would, would be alive today. But um, this is what we face. The, the hypocrisy that the Democrats are offering up is getting Americans killed.
1: And of course, they're threatening with the filibuster if we don't go along with them.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm glad that Joe Manchin, Kristen Sinema, the two Democrats, one from West Virginia, one from Arizona, stood up blocked the filibuster from going through this election rigging scheme that Democrats had had offered up. I don't agree with anything on them politically. Joe Manchin did make a statement though about what the right thing to do is and I honestly do believe the man's sincere about that but make no mistake he's not a moderate. He would have voted for this legislation but he saved the filibuster because he felt strongly about the rules that have been in place for hundreds of years.
1: So I I watch your show, of course, every night, and I saw some of your guests, and I've actually followed through social media. There's been a lot of reaction to your call uh, to disband the FBI, and some is quite surprising. Tell us some of the responses you've had directly.
3: Well, from most conservatives I talk to, when they look at the FBI and its history with orchestrating this Russian collusion hoax against President Trump, you could take it all the way back to 9-11. Um, where there intelligence failures to to stop that attack from happening. Um, you've got the Fort Hood shooter. Fort Hood shooter was a Muslim extremist who infiltrated the United States military. They called it a, an act of workplace violence. So this is a long history of the FBI playing politics with this stuff. Just about every conservative that I've heard of um, either agrees with me that it should be deba- disbanded or they say it needs to be investigated and send in an inspector general, revamp it. But in the end, something needs to happen. Now, liberals on the left want to ignore this story. Many of them don't respond to the ones that do. Just call me names. Um, but that's what liberals do.
1: Well, I'll be honest with you. I am tired of that report. All it does is wasting taxpayers' time and dollars, and it gives elected officials excuses to just do nothing and get full paychecks. The best example, I'm still waiting for the Durham report, really, to come out with all the details of everything, I mean, that everybody was expecting. I mean, we're still waiting for all the reports about still the, the Clinton emails, and now she's the front runner for 2024. Right. People don't want any more of this nonsense going on. They are so turned off to Washington. And I think that's why 2022 and 2024 are the year of the primaries. You're gonna see people voting for who they want, not who their party tells them to. And I also see 2024 could be Republican victory.
3: Uh, Absolutely. Um, Providing we get this election rigging scheme under control. And when I talk about an election rigging scheme, I mean, weaponizing the China virus, for a mass mail-in ballot uh, situation where everybody gets ballots. You don't even have to fill them out yourself. The Democrats will send people to your homes to pick them up. They'll help you fill them out. Heck, there's been reports of, of some people filling them out for them. Then you've got boxes to drop them off in all over the place. There's no way we can win because the sad reality is in America, we as patriotic Americans value hard work, value passion about where we want this country headed. We are outnumbered by lazy Americans. Lazy Americans typically didn't make their their way to the polls. That was a benefit to us because they didn't have any engagement with where this country was headed. But now you can sit on your mom's couch and play video games and somebody's going to come to your house, grab your ballot for you, fill it out and take it and turn it in. We'll never win another election again. That's what this election rigging scheme at a federal level was about. And sadly, it's still happening at state levels across the country.
1: Well, uh... Your friend, President Trump, was quick to point out that during Biden's press conference, he kind of alluded to maybe 2020 wasn't so truthful as we think. And sure enough, Trump uh, sent out an email. Uh, We all know that you do have a good relationship with him. Tell us what you think about uh, where he is in his mind with candidates and with 2024.
3: So I was lucky enough to have an opportunity to spend just a few minutes with the president a few weeks ago over the holidays. And um, though he has not told me whether he's running, I have a good feeling that he is. When when he talks to me about what he hopes and the messages that he'd like me to push, um, it feels like I'm talking to a candidate who wants to run. So I'm hopeful that he does. And I think President Trump learned some lessons from his last time in office. You know, he always talked about the deep state, but I think he learned now just how powerful the deep state actually is and just how ingrained they are into the swamp we call Washington. And so I think he'll be better prepared to root them out. And the moment he senses someone as part of the deep state to get rid of them, because if you notice now under the Biden administration, we don't see any leaks. You remember how many leaks we would see coming out of the White House, how many leaks we would see coming out of these agencies? We don't see any leaks anymore which is proof that these are all Democrats. They're Democrat operatives that are working as as government bureaucrats, um, and they're working to hurt conservative Americans like President Trump and those who support him.
1: And there's still plenty in the Republican Party, Republican state and county leaderships and county committee members. I'm hearing it from candidates all over the country that, they are Trump supporters. They realize this is a revolution. You saw what happened last week in Arizona. He's coming to U.S. state in Texas. Are you going to be at the rally?
3: You know, where is it? I, I don't know where the rally is. Where? Where Do you know where it is?
1: It's at the end of the month. I'll get you the information. All right.
3: If, if it's in Dallas, I'll be there. If it's in, uh, you know, Texas, is a huge state. Sometimes there's parts of Texas that'll take me 10 hours to get to. So um, but I always love going to those rallies. Uh, I was just at when he came to Dallas with Bill O'Reilly. I was there. And um, you know, I I, I try to try to get to to his events anytime I can.
1: Well, we all would love to be at them. I mean, and luckily, U.S. station Newsmax airs them where other quote unquote right wing uh, television stations are not airing them and not sharing them. So uh, we really appreciate the fact that U.S. station recognizes that this movement is here to stay.
3: You know, when you look at his rally that was in Arizona um, last week. The ratings on Newsmax were through the roof. It's unbelievable how many people tune in. And then you look at the crowds that he's pulling, where Joe Biden can't fill a shoebox. He could be offering free car washes at his honk your horn rallies. People still don't show up to them. And, uh, but they do to President Trump. And, and as he mentioned, what did he get, 15 million more votes than he did the first time around and still lost? So um, I think that, uh, that there will be a sea of change to come soon, uh, God willing.
1: I love watching your show because you are an investigative journalist and you try to have different stories than running the same stories that everybody else does. What's upcoming?
3: What can Uh, you share? We're we're, going to talk a little bit tonight uh, about um, this push, as, as you mentioned, where the Democrats are now talking about, since they didn't get their vote rigging scheme passed, that there could be fraud in the 2022 election on behalf of Republicans, which is absolutely projecting gaslighting uh trying to flip the script i mean it's amazing to me but what do they do here with this argument and this is what we're going to talk about tonight they claim that donald trump offers up the big lie about a stolen election well the first person to offer up the big lie was hillary clinton then they're going to offer her up to run against against donald trump well that negates the only argument they have against him which is this big lie and now they're going to start claiming there's a big lie for 2022 So that totally takes any of their arguments away from from Donald Trump, which shows you just how dumb they are as as Democrats.
1: Well, we're running out of time. Please share with the audience where they can reach out to you. And of course, your radio show, the TV show.
3: Well, I hope everybody follows me on uh, social media. Stinchfield 1776. That's Stinchfield 1776. Uh, Of course, you can find me on Newsmax, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday on, on Newsmax. Every cable network has it. Uh, and um, also streaming. So if you have any kind of Roku device, you name it, even just going to Newsmax TV, it's free to watch. And then of course, AM 870 in Los Angeles, that has an app as well. You can listen nationwide. uh, The Morning Answer, AM 870. And that's 9 to 12 Eastern time, 6 to 9 California time.
1: Grant Stitchfield, you're always welcome on Cindy's Political Corner. Thank you so much. And keep those headlines because everybody is talking about you.
3: Well, Cindy, you're a great patriot. We appreciate your fight as well. Thank you. Hi, this is Donnie Most, and I always enjoy listening to Cindy's Celebrity Corner with Cindy Gross.
1: Welcome back to this very special episode. And as you know, I'm a proud Jew, I'm a proud Zionist, and I happen to be a daughter in law of a living Holocaust survivor. And my own background is quite unique in regards to a Holocaust survivor. So I am really proud and honored to bring to you Rachel Schnee. Rachel is the voice of the future of Holocaust education and making sure that nobody ever experiences what her family did through the Holocaust. She's going to tell you she is on the board of so many Jewish organizations and she is the face of the mazel ring that is going around the world internationally that I wanted to bring her on to discuss her work in regard to keeping Holocaust education alive and making sure that Jews and non-Jews know the facts about the Holocaust. Thank you so much for joining us.
4: Thank you, Cindy. Amazing. I remember the first time I met you at the Yad Vashem Luncheon. Correct. So tell us, now you
1: are very involved with Young Leadership Yad Vashem. Tell us exactly your title there and what you do, because it's more than just a title. You are involved in every event they handle. You do book readings with them, et cetera. So tell us your title there. And of course, with uh, Wizo.
4: So I'm the co- I'm very honored to be the co-chair of the American Society of Yad Vashem Young Leaders Associates um, for several years now. I've been involved. I mean, my family's been involved forever, but I took on this role as a young leader Co-chair about three or four years ago. Um, and then I'm also, uh, the co-chair of the global WITSO, which is the Women's International Zionist Organization, Aviv. So it's women under 40 for the most part, all over the world. Um, so I co-chair that with my, uh, with, with my friend in Miami, Shana. And um, we're the USA representatives. So we basically run missions and we do all these things for Israel. So I'm kind of doing both at the same time. So the So Both of those roles came to me at the same time. I couldn't say no. So it's been quite the ride. <laughs> and then I run a business. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> and you really um, started the business recently within the past couple of years. And it has just yeah. been
4: booming. It's crazy. So I was working on the business for a full year before I launched the website and I officially launched September 2019 so right a few months before covid hit um and one of my well my inspiration obviously my mother was had a business so I kind of grew up with it um I do never thought I'd be in the jewelry business I was doing a ton of other careers before this um, I'm a classic middle child as they say and I actually have my masters in Jewish education I was teaching um secular Jewish kids uh, in Manhattan who didn't go to Jewish school instead of them going to after school Hebrew school I would teach them Torah Hebrew teach them for their bar and bat mitzvahs and that kind of just took off but it wasn't it was very fulfilling but it wasn't what I really felt like was my purpose so as much as that is such an incredible field and much needed especially for secular kids that are in secular school um, this kind of fell in my lap and I wanted to create a line a jewelry line that not only was affordable and relatable, but one of my main focuses is the Mazel collection. Um, in addition to everything else, I sell everything. And, and for a non
1: Jewish audience, Mazel means luck.
4: Mazel, yeah, exactly. People, it's kind of, it, it's a lot of different words combined the Mazel, your energy, your luck, your whatever. So um, I created the Mazel ring, which is the Magenza David and um, it kind of just blew up. I had no idea this was going to happen. I think people love jewelry that has meaning to it and um, is purposeful and something that they can just look at and just admire and know that it represents something greater than themselves and it's not just diamonds and gold. Um, And when I started the line and I launched the website, I knew that I wanted to have something like this in in the collection. So I created this collection and 10% 10% of the proceeds from the entire Maslow collection, so that's like including any of these items, the chai and all the different magen zavids that we have here, um, goes directly to my soldier, which is an organization in Israel, uh, where the, the money just goes directly to soldiers in need, whatever they need, there's no in between. So I actually have, when I'm in Israel, I go and I give them what they need, packages and pay their rent, whatever it is, it all comes from this from these sales. Um, but. For me, why I started the Mazel Collection was I am a granddaughter of four Holocaust survivors. And that has been something that's ingrained in me since I can't even, it's like, I remember, minute I learned how to speak, I knew what the Holocaust was. So it was just in my blood. And um, I actually, to the point where I thought all elderly people had accents, because the only elderly people I knew were survivors. (laughs) So when I met one of my friends with an American grandparent, I couldn't believe it. I, I was I literally turned to her. I'm like, what do you mean your 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 grandparent doesn't have an accent? Like all grandparents have accents. So it I had a big aha moment when I was eight or nine years old when I realized that it wasn't everyone, everyone wasn't like me, and not everyone grew up with survivors, which I feel so fortunate. And I think they're the most incredible generation. Um, and so much of who I am and what I represent and what I live for is because of that generation. Um, so the Mosel collection took this. B that the Nazis had used as a symbol to make us feel ashamed and embarrassed and and degraded and just dehumanized us because as long as we had that badge of you know the the star or the armband it was something that we did not want to be associated with of course because it meant death um, so for the Nazis to take a symbol that was so sacred and holy for, to us and to turn it into something like that i I, I wanted to reverse that. Obviously, you know, it's been, it's obviously been reversed. It's not just me that's doing this, but for my generation, I wanted it to be something cool that people wanted to wear my Gen necklace or ring. And honestly, for me growing up, it wasn't the cool thing to do. Um, And so I kind of ran with it and thank Hashem, thank God it's been crazy. Cause I remember even the first time I had to invest a good amount of money to create them and to buy a lot of them and uh my mom even I love her now she's a big supporter of the mauser ring but at the beginning she's like kind of nervous she's like I don't know like are you, how are you gonna sell all these like it's a it's a commitment and it's and it's it's a risk um and it went crazy Think I mean I I worked and every really-
1: major Jewish influencer yeah. actresses
4: <laughs> I mean you, you just had Debra
1: Messing up in your office. And of course. Debra Messing
4: was here a few minutes ago and it was crazy. She found me from Instagram, which was so, it's also very, um, it's like such an amazing feeling that people can just find you from, from social media. And, you know, it wasn't a connection that got us together. It just happened. And It's very, it was such an amazing moment for me today. In addition to Miss Universe having it, that was- I was just going to say, you just uh,
1: were in Israel. You handed it to Miss Universe. But I really want to talk today because we are here and you are such a vocal young voice about the Holocaust. What your organization does that stands out among other, uh, not that other Holocaust organizations aren't important, but you are bringing together- Children, grandchildren and great grandchildren now of Holocaust survivors so that their stories are never forgotten. And just talk a little bit about it, because you do um, represent a very, very unique crowd with unique experiences to share.
4: Right. Um, So. Again, like I created this line and I'm so fortunate for it, but like you said, My favorite thing about my career right now is that I have this platform because of my jewelry to talk about um, activism, Israel advocacy and fight against anti-Semitism and my passion, which is Holocaust education um, and awareness. And um, I just think it is it makes me cry to think about the fact that we aren't going to have the survivors with us. In a very short amount of time, and the fact that my future children won't have survivors around them the way I had survivors around me—it was such a huge part of my life and my parents' life. That give us an example of like what crazy, was, I, like a unique, thing talking about it. Um, it just I it, my grandparents were the most incredible people ever, and it's just unfathomable to, um, unfathomable to think that what they went through and then how they came. To whatever country they went to, because one of my grandfathers, um, whose unveiling is actually this weekend in Miami, I'm going for, he was an Auschwitz survivor from Ludge. Um, he was the youngest of seven boys, and his father was the rabbi or the head of Kashrut in Ludge, in the Ludge ghetto where he was from. And my grandfather, his name is Simcha Horowitz um he was forced to check in to the center of the town which they actually did this and you can like read about it they've made people write their names and check in he was 10 years old and he was forced to watch his father be hanged by the nazis and i just it, it it's just the craziest thing when you think about it um he then went on to auschwitz he lost four of his brothers his parents when he survived he only wanted to go to Israel. He only wanted to fight for the independence, independence of Israel. He went on to An-Ali on Abed, to pal, then Palestine. He joined the Haganah, and there's a few photographs of him in Yad Vashem, him coming off the boat, him him in the in the crowd. There's a very famous photograph um, in Tel Aviv 19 when the UN partitioned the state of Israel in November 1947, and um, he's in the crowd with his arm up, raising his arm up, and it's just the most incredible photograph. And I have it, I can't show you because it's like literally huge on my wall. <laughs> but um, it's, I stare at it every day and I sit at my desk and I stare at that photo and I look at these survivors, they're teenagers that just lost their entire lives, everything in their, everything, even their own names. And um, they have these crazy big smiles on their faces. They have waving the Israeli flag. And it's just, it's a miracle. You can't explain anything other than that. So my grandfather, all of my grandparents went on and of course built beautiful lives, very difficult lives. Nobody ever, you know, people ta- see the, the the big pictures of like the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren and it's so beautiful and everything's great, but no, everything's not great. Their their lives were, they were tormented day and night. They had nightmares every single night. They lost their families. They lost everything. They lost their childhood. They didn't have an education. They came to these countries with not speaking the language without a dollar, without anything and so many of them it's incredible to see how they did build successful careers and it's they got no help from anyone they didn't have parents they didn't have in-laws they didn't have help from the government they had nothing so it's just crazy to see It's something to be honored and looked at so much and I don't think that our generation you know obviously we have everything handed to us and I'm not not even about money wise I'm talking about like just living in this generation you know you have your
1: parents and all the comforts yeah, around yeah, you.
4: Exactly. And it, you know, it doesn't matter if you come from a lower class, higher, whatever it is, everyone has the basic needs that they to live a, a good, a good life. So it's just, it's, it's crazy that um, that this generation is going to be gone, and we're not going to have them to talk to and just inspire us. So I take it to heart, I really take it. it it's such a like, I feel it in my bones and in my heart and in my soul. And when I, even when I think about a survivor, talk to a survivor, I start getting emotional because maybe I, you know, I, I I'm just so connected to them on a soul level. But I, I don't know. Sometimes I get very frustrated with our generation, um, especially those who aren't, don't have a family member that's connected to the Holocaust that, you know, they don't, maybe don't want to go to Yad Vashem when they go to Israel. It's too depressing. Or, you know, I don't, why, why should I waste the whole day do, doing something that's going to make me cry? That's going to make me upset. That's going to give me nightmares. And I get so angry. And I stay, I will be at a Shabbos table anywhere talking or just talking to anyone. And they tell me they haven't been to Yad Vashem. And I'm like, how dare, what do you mean you've never been to Yad Vashem? Like, I look, I, look, I hate to say this, but I judge people that have never been to Yad Vashem or that do not care enough. To learn about their family's history, or their, or their, you know, whoever, you know, their their people it doesn't have to be their family. Um, and I and I think that it's, it's every single young person's responsibility to take the time to learn about the Holocaust, to teach the Holocaust, to make sure that it's in their their education system, wherever their children are in school, to where whatever college classes they're in, to make sure that it's being taught in the correct manner, not to just be reading a the you know boy in the shape pajamas so that's that's what gets me really heated
1: well i can't agree with you more and i remember you in college uh starting petitions when things were not uh fair for the jewish students rachie Schnee, thank you so much for joining cindy's corner and we will share the information of where people can reach you rachie works with jews and non-jews on educating about the
4: holocaust to make sure classrooms are teaching facts and not opinion and the most important thing right now is to get a survivor into your school, into your home, into your synagogue, wherever you, into your church, wherever you are, the, you got to get the survivors right now. Cause it's not, we're not going to have them for so much longer. So we can help you with that. Thank you so much. And may we have a lot of miles from you
1: for yes. years to come. I mean, thank you. Thanks, Cindy. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. And just like that. The hour flew by. I promised you great guest, great conversation, and lots of information to think about. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please let me know what you think. You can reach out to me through my website, Cindy's Corners, and email me through there. Or you can reach me and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Never miss an episode. Download it on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Podbean, Jewish Podcast, and you can also listen to us through the Talkline Radio Networks. Thank you for joining Cindy Celebrity Corner. Where all our angles and points meet and where you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy the Celebrity Corner. Thank you and have a good night.